0: This is Aspire, Arch Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship.
1: My name is Anne Ulizio, director of special projects for Art Street Press, and I will be your host today. Today our guest is Clara Brenner, co-founder and CEO of Tumul, an urban ventures accelerator with a mission to empower entrepreneurs and provide solutions to issues inherent to urban areas. Using a hands-on approach, Tumul provides these entrepreneurs with the tools to help scale their impact and improve the quality of life for city inhabitants everywhere. Since Clara and her colleague, Julie Line, founded TEML in 2012, the organization has grown to include 17 urban innovation ventures, providing seed funding, mentorship, and in-kind services to help mobilize change in urban areas and make each of these organizations' missions of urban development a reality. Temple has been featured featured in the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, The New Yorker and the San-, San Francisco Chronicle, among many others, for its impact as a tech startup aimed at solving serious urban problems. Clara herself is a lead accredited professional with her bachelor's degree from NYU and her MBA from MIT. She was recognized as one of Forbes' 30 under 30 social entrepreneurs in January of 2014, and she is also a member of the MIT Sloan Alumni Board. Clara, it's such a pleasure to have you with us today.
2: Thanks for having me. Of
1: course. Uh, Let's just get started with your, your background and your undergraduate and graduate studies. Can you talk to us a little bit about how those factored into your interest in starting the company?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I would say I've I've always been interested in cities, and I knew I wanted to find a job that allowed me to make cities a better place. Um, And I think growing up, that meant real estate development to me. So I I grew up in Washington D.C. and I went to college in New York, um, two places where it's you know really clear that there's a huge influence that uh, developers have on the way cities look and how citizens feel about their communities. Um, and so that for me was was sort of how I thought about my career path at that time. Um, but then I went to grad school actually because I thought I wanted to start my own real estate development firm. Um, but I ended up um, interning for a real estate technology startup um, that was developing a platform called Fundrise at the time. And that really kind of broadened my understanding of the opportunities that are out there to make cities a better place. So Fundrise is uh, basically a crowd. Crowdfunding platform that allows regular citizens to invest in real estate um, in their communities, um, and I was just so um, excited about about this technology and the fact that you know the startups were kind of playing this space as well, which is something I don't think I'd really thought about before. And this was also around the time that you know companies like Uber and Airbnb were just starting to get popular, and that kind of made me think twice about what it is that you know exactly how I wanted to to take my career.
1: That's interesting. I've never heard of a of a project like that that sort of puts real estate also in the hands of the the community members. That's an interesting initiative. Did you did you want to incorporate some of that model into your own? Was that sort of the that project maybe um, a strong influence on the model that you adopted for Tumul?
2: It certainly was. I mean, I came back my second year to business school after having spent my summer working at Fundrise, and I was just so excited about what they were doing. I mean, they were. Solving a community problem, um, but they were scaling much more rapidly than a traditional, you know, community organization just by virtue of their business model. Um, and I ended up having this conversation with my really good friend Julie, who's also at business school with me, and she had kind of a similarly eye-opening experience at a company called Revolution Foods, which is based in Oakland that basically provides healthy meals to to children at school. Um, But they are they are competing on price. They're super scalable. Um, And she was just really interested in this idea of this or this intersection of um, social impact and scale um, that was coming from all these startups that were using technology to kind of, you know, grow their impact. And that's sort of what got us thinking about this whole space and the fact that there were startups that were doing this. And you know, why aren't we seeing more companies like this out there? And how do we get more companies out there um, solving urban problems?
1: Oh, it's very interesting. It's a it's a great combination, obviously, of community initiative and maybe you know a sense of responsibility for the community members themselves to to get involved with these projects and help their neighborhoods improve.
2: You're you're so right. I mean, I think a lot of times when you say social impact startup, most people think about sort of international development focused startups, um, which is totally legitimate and excellent. But um, I think there really is this new movement of folks that are thinking about social impact and entrepreneurship and, you know, how those can be used to solve problems, you know, right here in the U.S., and um, I think that that's a really exciting change.
1: Absolutely, and it's great that, you know, you said you grew up in D.C. and went to school in New York City, both being extremely international, you know, they're international metropolises, so, you know, it's, it's like you said, there's a lot of work to be done here, and it's maybe not always as often that you see, it's people sort of keeping it as a local, um, maybe a more local focus. Yeah. Um so where did the name for a tumble come from? <laughs> tumble
2: is Yiddish. Uh huh. it means a shake up. We like to think of ourselves as shaking up city living.
1: I love that. That's great.
2: Yeah, no, it's a fun name.
1: <laughs> Although I'll how- mispronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you get a a lot of variations. Um
2: A lot of people think that we work at the luggage company to me. <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. It's a funny mix up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so what were the initial steps that you and in- Julie took to launch your vision for Tumble off the ground?
2: Um, well, so we were really involved in the Entrepreneurship Center at MIT, which is where we uh, got our MBAs. And we were sort of having this ongoing conversation about, you know, Fundrise and Revolution Foods and Airbnb and all these companies that were we were really excited about. Um, and we found that we didn't really have any language or like a nomenclature to kind of describe what it is that these companies had in common, even though we were sure that they had something in common. Um, So we, um, first of all, we sort of developed some language. Basically, urban impact entrepreneurship is a term that we made up. Um, It basically means, you know, startups that are developing consumer or business-facing products or services that solve community problems in cities. And the next thing we did was kind of harness Julie's brain power, since she actually used to be a political pollster. And we did this um, big quantitative and qualitative study of entrepreneurs from around the country um, to kind of figure out, you know, what are the hurdles that urban impact entrepreneurs face? How can we get more of them out there? What kind of um, resources do they need to be successful? Um, And that kind of... um, those learnings that we gained from that research kind of drove us forward and we ended up right after graduation approaching Blackstone to see if they would uh, consider helping us fund um, our initiative to really work with entrepreneurs um, to, to get them off the ground. And it was
1: great. Obviously, the, the recognized problems of urban areas are very visible, but maybe not you know, like the information that Julie was able to, like you said, sort of harness her power, her brain power as a political pollster and um, really tap into the communities and see if that would be an effective model. You know, while the problem does persist, you want to obviously make sure that it would be um, implementable, I guess. So that's, that's great.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, the, the two challenges that we really found that were most important were funding and mentorship. You know, companies that are looking to solve community problems in cities are a lot less likely to secure seed funding a lot of times because they're working on like a physical product or service, like a bike share, or they're working at something in the new economy space um, where investors really want to see that there's a lot of traction before they're going to take a risk on you. Um, But also, you know, you hear about the challenges that companies like Lyft um, and Uber are facing in cities across the U.S. and Abroad as well um, you know there are a lot of regulatory gray areas that many of these companies encounter um, and so we really structured our program to kind of help them think about developing strategies to deal with those issues.
1: hmm very interesting so how does how does the incubator work as a nonprofit venture because again, you don't see many tech startup companies that are focusing on urban problems in in the state so how does it work exactly as an incubator?
2: yeah sure sure I mean so our mission is to really help entrepreneurs solve problems that are you know seemingly intractable serious problems that you know everyday citizens experience those are things like homelessness mobility waste and resource management so like the companies we work with are like hand up which is a crowdfunding platform for the homeless or kid admit which is a common application for preschools so we're really looking to to help put solutions out there that really solve serious problems. And I think that really aligns well with our nonprofit mission. Um, And so um, the way our program works is we do an open call twice a year for entrepreneurs from around the country to apply. They apply online. and it's a pretty short application. Um, we're looking for really early-stage companies. And, uh, yeah, we, we interview them, and we select, I think for our most recent cohort, which is going on right now, I think we have seven companies that we're working with, um, and they come physically work out of our offices. Uh, we provide them with seed funding, and then we connect them with mentors who can kind of work with them on a group and a one-on-one basis to kind of make sure they're developing a model that's super scalable. Because, you know, all the entrepreneurs we work with for the most part, are developing solutions to challenges that they're experiencing themselves in a city, like in their hometown. And we want to make sure they're building a business that, you know, makes that solution available to communities in lots of places. We want to make sure they're building something that's not so specific or hyper-local to one community that it can't be implemented
1: in many places. Interesting. So it's definitely working on the scale of the organizations for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk to me a little bit more about the seed funding and how that for each sub supported organization and how that sort of trickles down?
2: Sure. So we provide the companies with $20,000 in seed funding. And our hope is that they use this money to develop a prototype or maybe think about, you know, um, implementing some additional features to what it is that they're doing this isn't meant to be their only funding but is really what, what we see is that, you know the companies at an early stage in the urban impact entrepreneurship space uh, need need funds you know and so we we want to be there to be helpful and supportive and from our perspective that's you know just one of the things that we offer um some of the companies need the money more than others um but we found that it's it's really important to make sure that they have that runway to get to a place where they could show more institutional investors or foundations um, that what they're doing is, is having a real meaningful impact on the community.
1: Right, right. So you said you know, there's open calls twice a year. So how did it work the first time around? And as a new company, how were you able to, I guess, encourage entrepreneurs to look at your services, kind of look at your model and get involved?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we rely really heavily on our mentorship board to kind of get the word out. Um, We have a really amazing group of folks who work with our companies um, to, you know, as I mentioned, you know, help them develop a super scalable model. um, But they also actually um, look at the applications with us and sort of give us their advice and feedback. So these are folks like the director of public policy from Airbnb or the sales director from Yelp, um, folks who are really experts in this space and can provide some really unique um, insights to entrepreneurs who are working in the urban impact space um, and so we work really closely with them and obviously they have a really um, broad <laughs> reach um, nationally and internationally and so they were very helpful in terms of you know promoting our program and you know from the beginning we've had you know a five percent uh, acceptance rate or less so um, it's a very competitive program and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have such an incredible mentorship board
1: and what were your connections to these uh these mentors How, were they um People that you tapped in through the MIT Sloan Alumni Board. How did you sort of gather all of these people to to be in your arsenal, essentially? <laughs> I think we we it was a lot of cold
2: emailing and, and stalking, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of folks, especially entrepreneurs that are working in this space, recognize how challenging it can be, and they're really excited and open to helping others who are who are looking to make an impact as well. And so we were really uh, pleasantly surprised by how. Um, how many folks that we approached were, were interested in helping us out. You know, I mean, we're a startup nonprofit. Um, it's kind of a thankless job to, to help us, but they've been, um, so encouraging and, and great. And I think it's just because, you know, they got help along the way when they were, um, starting off themselves. And so they, they want to give back.
1: Sure. And what kind of qualifications, I, I guess, were you looking for in some of these mentors? You know, were there certain qualities you wanted them to have, or certain experiences, or fields of expertise that you were hoping to attract?
2: I think I guess you could break it down into three buckets that we were looking for. The first were successful entrepreneurs in the urban impact space. So you know, the founder of Alta Bike Share could probably provide a lot of insights. Uh, you know that we that we wanted to that we wanted to tap into. Um, the second were investors who've been making strategic investments in the space. They may not even self-identify as urban impact investors. Maybe they have a sector specific focus, like you know they invest in mobility companies. Um, but we found that they could provide a lot of insights for our companies about you know like these are the traction metrics that we would want to see before we would invest in you or this is the kind of deck that you would need to present that would you know make it clear that you're you know having a social impact and are growing. Um, and then the third bucket are sort of civic and government leaders who can really provide insights for our companies about, um, you know, this is, these are the challenges that we face in our community, or these are the entrenched interests that you're going to need to work with in order to make your products or service successful. Um, so those are folks like the mayor's offices in San Francisco and Philadelphia, um, so it's a it's a real mix in terms of the makeup of the board, but they all bring something really important to our companies and you know, not the kind of mentors that you would necessarily always see at a more traditional tech accelerator, although we do focus on those, you know, issues as well.
1: Just combining the public and the private sector in a on a mentorship board may not be, like you said, as as common for tech startups, which is definitely sets Tamil apart, I think. We'd like um, to think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you you'd mentioned some of these the urban issues that these entrepreneurs are focusing on, homelessness is certainly one of them, and mobility. Um, Could you talk a little bit more about those and what kind of, um, I guess, maybe what kind of nonprofits you generally tend to work with, um, if you could characterize some of them or maybe one that stood out to you among the 17 that you've worked with so far?
2: Sure. So I'll say that first that the companies that we work with are generally for profit or hybrid organizations. Um, and that sort of makes us unique as well. Um, I think some of our standouts, like hand up, as I mentioned, the crowdfunding platform for the homeless um, recently closed an $850,000 seed round and they're growing so rapidly and um, we're, we're really excited about them. Um, Another company that we think is is making a huge impact right now is called Chariot. Uh, They're based here in San Francisco. They're a commuter shuttle that basically builds better transit routes by learning commuter habits and preferences. Um, Mm -hmm. And they've only been around for about three months, and they've already sold 9,000 tickets. So they're clearly um, working on an issue that is um, resonating with their customers here in San Francisco. And so we're really excited to see what happens Uh, with them. But, you know, obviously we love, we love our, all of our portfolio companies and they're all working on different issues. Like, you know, we have Valor Water, which is working on basically processing water utility data to develop financial and conservation solutions for the community. We've got Pop-Upsters, which is basically an online platform that connects local vendors and makers with opportunities to pop up their brands and sort of build a a sort of following if you're a small and growing business. So um, the, it really runs the gamut in terms of uh, the problems they're looking to solve.
1: And how long do these, do these companies have access to the, to the tumble resources Is it sort of an incubation period. And then they're, you know, weaned off the the resources. How does that, how does that shake out?
2: Um, so we have a very hands-on approach. Obviously we have the companies physically in our offices for four months where we're very actively working on them, but, um, even after they leave the program, we try to be as accessible as possible. We have, you know, shared uh, basically resources and list of preferred vendors that we like to connect our companies to, to kind of make sure they have access to special deals that we've been able to negotiate for our current cohort. Um, we have regular, you know, happy hours and potlucks so that our new companies can meet some of our more experienced graduates. Um, we really try to be an ongoing resource. And obviously, our mentorship board is still available to all of our, all of our companies. Um, we're, we're in it for the long haul, um, which is, um, really great. And it's cool because we have a sort of group of program managers that work here at Tumul that are specifically charged with serving as, um, project managers for existing companies, but also, you know, a resource after their companies leave the program, you know, for research, um, for insights about their deck, you know, if they want to practice a new presentation, Um, these folks are here to be helpful.
0: This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world. From the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions, Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal and presented by Arch Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. We now return to our Ingleway Under 30 interview with Director of Special Projects Annalizia and Clara Brenner, CEO and co-founder of Tummel.
1: You know, you mentioned before that these mentors just even though it you know it, your company is a nonprofit so for them they may not you know actually um, have a financial benefit from it, but they're just so interested in helping these new companies out. So it would seem that, you know, down the line in the future, if these companies needed, you know, wanted to touch base again and maybe get an idea for, you know, a way to expand or a question about, you know, scaling, you know, it seems that these mentors, as well as I'm sure the Tumble staff would be readily available and, and willing to, to help them that way. So it's great that it sort of, it pr- definitely provides a foundation for them moving forward. And it, it's a, it, it seems like a very um symbiotic sort of relationship.
2: Absolutely. I mean, we're here to be helpful and I think that our mentors really see this as an opportunity to stay connected to innovation, you know, a lot of yeah. a lot of, you know, cool new ideas are coming out of Tummel and I think um, it's exciting for them to be able to get, you know, basically a first look at at what's coming next.
1: Absolutely. Riding that wave of social change is going to always going to be an exciting exciting space to be in. Totally. Do, do you hope to attract different kinds of mentors in the future and, you know, maybe tap in less to the non or uh, to the public space, more into the private or vice versa? Is there a way that you'd like to expand or change the, the mentorship in the future?
2: <laughs> I mean, we're a startup nonprofit. We love all the help we can get. Um, but we're um, very careful to kind of get feedback and, and document how our companies feel about each of the mentors. In terms of the advice that they value most highly, I think pretty consistently our, our companies are really excited to work with other entrepreneurs. You know, I think they're much more likely to take seriously the advice of an entrepreneur who's been through it um and so like they really like treasure their time with Molly who's the director of public policy at Airbnb for example um because she has so many firsthand examples about you know do's and don'ts and lessons learned and um and so i think that that moving forward we're we're always looking to build relationships with other entrepreneurs in the space in particular just because our entrepreneurs love it
1: the geographic location of of tumble is certainly advantageous for you being in san francisco you know just innovation is happening all around you did that decision to be based in San Francisco kind of come at the same time or was it a, you know, serendipitous sort of thing that you were already in San Francisco and decided to start the company? Was it, um, how did the location, I guess, affect your, your plan for the company?
2: Yeah. You know, we started Tummel in Boston and, um, you know, we, both loved San Francisco from a quality of life perspective. You know, liked the idea of living here. But frankly, I think we we felt that Tummel was most appropriate for the Bay Area, um, just because there's so many resources available to new companies here, and also there's a certain willingness to experiment and try new things. And you know, talking about social impact entrepreneurship is 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 new. Uh, here uh, in the u s, and I think that um there were just a lot of people who are open to supporting and trying to work with urban impact companies, even though this is a new sector. Uh, I think in a way that you don't you don't get elsewhere, um it's just a really creative, open place.
1: Do you think that there are any? drawbacks? I mean, it seems like there's only benefits of being located in San Francisco, but, you know, in terms of maybe competition or just... No, I
2: don't, I don't think they're necessarily drawbacks. I think, you know, obviously it's pretty expensive to live here, but the resources that are available are pretty unparalleled. But, you know, two-thirds of our applicant pool comes from outside the Bay Area, so the entrepreneurs do have to physically relocate for, you know, at least the four, four months while they're working with us. Um, but we take that as a good sign, you know. I mean, from our perspective, we're not trying to lure startups to San Francisco to stay here for for us, the real sign of success at Tummel is an entrepreneur's ability to scale. Like we don't want you just solving a problem in San Francisco. We want you solving a problem in Austin and Richmond and Boston and St. Louis. And so, you know, we don't really care where you come from or where your company is based. We just want to see that you're building a model that can work in many places. Um, and so for us, that's that's what's more important than the physical location of our program.
1: Do they so you mentioned obviously they come from all across the states? Is it Is it just domestically or have you had international involvement?
2: Um, We're very excited. We have our first two international companies um, in our current cohort, one from France called Wheelio, which is a sort of a peer-to-peer platform to exchange cash currencies uh, for free. Uh, they see themselves as a as sort of a tourism uh, play as well as an exchange play, which is really awesome. And then we have a company called Let's Make out of Germany, which is an online platform that helps makers find spaces for you know for their activities like you know workshops or commercial kitchens or performance studios, kind of like an Airbnb type model, but for maker spaces. Um, so we're we're quite pleased to work with these companies, and you know I think we're we're always excited to work with international startups. Uh, we you know we don't have a monopoly here in the U.S. on the best <laughs> ideas, and you know, we we want to make sure that we're we're finding the best solutions out there, regardless of where they come from, and making sure they spread as fast as possible.
1: That's great. Was that due to a push to to extend beyond U.S. borders, or that just happened sort of as a networking within the states? A kind of word got over to Europe, or how did that how did that end up transpiring?
2: Yeah, it was a complete accident. I think <laughs> like a third of our applicants now actually come from outside of the continental United States, and that was just. You know, I think people are starting to, to hear about our program and, you know, obviously we're super psyched about that, but it wasn't, it wasn't a strategic push on our part.
1: Wow. That's very, very exciting. Yeah. Very cool. So what are the biggest challenges that Tamil is now facing as an organization? Obviously, you know, it's grown significantly in the past few years, but, um, are there any, you know, day-to-day challenges that you're seeing recurring?
2: I think our biggest challenge at Tamil was the fact that, you know, we're a nonprofit and we're here to be helpful, but, um, The majority of our of our interactions with startups is is frankly telling them no. You know we have a less than five percent acceptance rate, so you know over ninety five percent of our interactions with startups is telling them no. And so we are really working over the next year to try and find other ways and to provide other resources to startups that we just simply can't you know accommodate in our program just because you know we are still small um, and and growing. And so you know really trying to find creative ways to to make ourselves more accessible, to um, put more resources out there um, so that we can help more companies that even if they're not physically going through our accelerator, that they can take advantage of many of the lessons learned that we've um, started to pull together along the way.
1: Hmm. It's definitely better to be on that side and have to turn people down than be, you know, Hoping for more applicants, so that's a good thing. Yeah, sure. definitely. I mean, it's a good challenge to have.
0: <laughs> it's a good
2: challenge in that you know we're really proud of the fact that it is a competitive program, but you know we are a nonprofit. We want to be helpful, and so it's a it's a tough line to walk. Sure.
1: And what kind of what kind of staff members do you have? Do you have a tumble these days? Are they? people who also have backgrounds in in business specifically or? Sure. So
2: Julie and I uh, run the program here and we have two program managers. Um, One who's sort of an MBA with experience at Groupon and a number of other sales organizations who really um, is there to provide that sort of project management support for our companies. And then we have another project manager who sort of specifically manages the internal operations of Tumble and and her background is actually with a number of, of startups um, and scaling startups. Um, And so that's sort of the experience that she brings to the table. And uh, we love our team. It's little, but it's, it's uh, passionate.
1: (laughs) And effective. Absolutely. You know, with a smaller group and you, you all know each other very well and you know your, I'm sure your strengths and weaknesses very well. So it's, I'm sure, you know, in terms of efficacy, it's, it's easy to bounce ideas off of each other, help each other out, and cross sort of cross responsibilities in a way,
2: yeah. I mean, we work out of this big co-working space. All of our desks are out and they open, and we bring all the entrepreneurs into our office space. They're all working around us in the same desk bank of desks. So like we're all all up in each other's space all the time. <laughs> um, and it's good, though, because, you know, I think a lot of frankly, specifically when dealing with the companies, like a lot of companies, don't necessarily know when they're doing something wrong or could be doing something better. And, and, you know, unless they ask the question, you know, how would we know what's going on, but simply by sitting next to an entrepreneur and I'll overhear a phone conversation they have or, um, hear them, you know, talking out a particular problem with their team and I can step in and say, well, you know, like, you know, maybe you could consider it doing this way or this is a person you should talk to to get more insight onto that issue. And, um, so just physically just being around each other and in in each other's space, I think is a real advantage.
1: Yeah, I can imagine the actual workspace being a very just every day being being a new exciting venture, in, in terms of collaboration and and helping out each each organization, that's very cool. Um, so, you know, you mentioned being able to expand into the international realm a little bit more in the future. Are there any other any other objectives you have for the future that you're, you and your team have been focusing on building?
2: I mean, we made up the term urban impact entrepreneurship and our real goal, you know, over the next few years is to just spread the word and, and make it so that people know that there are resources out there if you're looking to solve a community problem in, in a city. You know, I think um, it's it's just a question of, of spreading the word and, and raising people's understanding of the fact that there really are opportunities for success um, when solving community problems. And and so I think that's really what we're going to be focusing on the next, the next few years. Mm,
1: that's great. And one of our... One of the main themes of these interviews that we like to focus on is, is empathy. Uh, it's sort of a recurring theme, obviously, in a lot of nonprofit organizations. So if you had to characterize what role empathy plays in your life, as well as the work of Tumul, how would you characterize it?
2: I think that um, here at Tumul, we're really looking to support entrepreneurs that are solving problems that, that everyday people experience um and that you know that means thinking outside of yourself that means thinking about your neighbors that means thinking about your family um and the challenges that they're experiencing and i think frankly that the companies we've been most excited about are the ones that have best been able to tap into that so like KidAdmit, admit for example the company we work with which is a common application for preschools came out of the fact that Tejal, their founder um Basically, was having uh, you know to deal with all the paperwork and, and challenge of getting her own children into to preschool, and so um, for us, you know, we're really excited about the fact that these companies are really thinking about um, the needs of, of their neighbors and friends, and um, and that's sort of how we how we think about empathy, I guess.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And when you and Julie were collaborating back in Boston before Tumble was founded, um, were you did you have any idea of the kind of work that you, you know, you obviously mentioned your interest in cities and, and design, designing programs to help out city inhabitants, but did you have any idea that something this impactful would be in your future in, in as short as two years?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, if you told <laughs> me that, or Julie, that we were working, going to be working on a, you know, an urban impact entrepreneurship accelerator, I, I would have said, what's that? <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. So, sure. So, um, so I think, you know, it it's happened really quickly, but it's something that we're really excited about and we just kind of followed our our instinct when when starting the company because you know, we really enjoy it. We enjoy coming to work. We love working with the entrepreneurs and we love working with each other. And so it's been it's been surprising, but really it's been really fun.
1: That's great. And you know, being able to create your own term of, of urban entrepreneurship certainly, you know, certainly shows that you are in uncharted territory and it's I'm sure daily it's just, you know, learning from learning from past experiences and sort of adapting um were there any major changes from 2012 to now to the, uh, 2014 that that the model had to had to sort of incorporate or let go
2: you know i i don't think we've had any significant changes i think When we first started, we thought maybe about sort of prescribing certain industry verticals. Like we want, you know, we were opening a track for mobility and like we want companies to apply that are looking for mobility, you know, solutions. Um, But I think we pretty quickly put that aside just because so many of the best ideas that have come out of Tummel are things that we never could have predicted um, and in industries that we never even thought of. Um, And so I think that that was the sort of one change. I think our, our assumption would be at the start was that, you know, maybe we should sort of put out some suggestions like, hey, homelessness is a really big problem in lots of cities. Like, you know, does anybody have any solutions for this? Um, But I think that, you know, so many of the best ideas are are far beyond my imagination or Julie's imagination. And we didn't want to limit ourselves to to just those um, that we could think of.
1: Right. And you, you, you know, obviously part of the, part of the initiative and part of the mission is to make sure that these companies that you're incubating have, you know, there's definitely a, a chance for scalability, and that the the models that they adapt, the the approaches that they that they create are are applicable to other cities besides the ones that they come from, or besides just San Francisco. Um, what kind of what kind of advice or what kind of pushes does Tumble make sure that these organizations are are working towards, in, in order to make sure that they aren't just city-specific or region-specific? What kind of initiatives are in place to make sure that those projects that they create are indeed applicable across across a wide spectrum?
2: I mean, I think the first step is really we work closely with our mentorship board to get their feedback about whether or not they think the solutions that are being proposed are, in fact, scalable. So that's sort of our first um, our first gut check um, but then when the companies come and work with us we sit down the first week and come up with goals and milestones for them you know where do you see yourself in three months in six months like what is your big long term vision for the company how do you see it growing um, and we really track the uh, sort of towards those um, those milestones as we work with them we sit down with them every week to sort of make sure they're they're still working towards their their big goals um, and so I think we, we try to be really thoughtful and diligent about making sure our companies are working to, towards a place where they can really um, impact lots of communities.
1: And also in the infrastructure of the companies that you're working with as San Francisco also is, is sort of a hub of social innovation, would you say that a lot of these companies are are being started by people under the age of 30? are they is there a certain um, certain kind of leader a certain kind of demographic I guess that that Tamil is tapping into more than others?
2: I mean, I think many of our company founders are in their late twenties, early thirties. Um, but something we're really proud of is the the number of women co-founders that we have in our program. I think we have, I think, it, I, I think since we started, we have something like an average of, of about fifty percent of our companies have a woman co-founder, and that's really incredible and, and frankly, quite unusual in the entrepreneurship space. Um, and I, I can only guess about why that is. I'm not sure if it's because you know Julie and I are here and sort of serving mm. as as you know an inspiration. Or hmm. if it's because you know, women are particularly excited about, you know, solving problems that they're experiencing firsthand, um, I'm not really sure why that is, but um, it's very encouraging, and we're really happy about that. Um, we really love to see um, women entrepreneurs out there. There should be more of them, and um, yeah, it's been it's been cool to see.
1: And would you say that any of the inherent urban issues have been harder to tackle via these organizations or um, maybe require a little bit more work than than others?
2: You know, I think lots of problems are tough. I don't think there's like an industry that's more difficult than any other um, I think these are all really challenging issues. That's why there's still problems. You know, we're in a position where municipalities have identified many of these challenges as priorities, but have not, you know, just because of the fiscal climate they're in, they've not been able to solve them on their own. Um, and so these are really seemingly intractable um, in many cases. And and so um, I, I think they're all they're
1: all pretty tough. Right. Right. Like you said, and you know these problems are persistent. So that's why there's such a need for an organization like Tumul. Are you hoping to select larger numbers of, of um, organizations for your future cohorts or keeping it? I think you said that they, the current one is around is seven organizations, is that correct? Yep.
2: Okay. I think we'd like to grow a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, but we like the fact that we're a small program. Everyone gets to know each other, yeah. gets to learn from each other. And so I think if we get too much bigger, it's going to become harder to have those sort of shared learnings and shared experiences. So I think we'll, we'll probably grow the program maybe up to, to 10 or 15 per cohort. Um, and I think that's probably where, at least for now, my guess is that's probably where we'll, um, we'll stop just because we want to make sure that it stays, it stays intimate.
1: Right, right, and would that do you think that would require potentially more staff members for Tumble itself?
2: I do. <laughs> we spend mm-hmm. a lot of of hands on time with each of the companies, and we we like to think that we're we're here to be a resource every single day. Um, and so, I think I think if we grow much more, we would absolutely have to bring somebody else on.
1: That's great, and I mean, obviously, the network that you have already is so strong. So I'm sure that would not be a problem for you to keep growing in that sense as well. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Well, we really, really appreciate you taking the time to to join us today. Um, it's been so interesting learning about Tumble. We're excited to see where the organization grows in the future.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was really fun.
1: So the, the best way to cl- reach Clara and to support Tumble's work is through org, And you can click on the webpage links above this podcast for further details. Clara, thank you so much again. Thanks.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.